looking at this series, we're looking at God with us and how God with us should change our paradigm. It should change the reality in which we live. Last week, like I said, we, we addressed fear and how fear can cripple us. And as fear is a driver, it's going to cause us to make decisions. It's going to cause us to act in ways that are detrimental to our health, that wreak havoc on the situation. And we, we keyed in on uh, King Herod and his role in the Christmas story and how he had uh, wreaked havoc on on Bethlehem and on Jerusalem and on all of Israel because of his fear um, being a driver in his life. This week, we're going to move on to, like we said, we were looking at different plots and ideas in Christmas stories, and we're going to be moving and looking at the idea of thinking, of pondering, of questioning what's going on. Now, so I have a question for those of you who are with us last week, either online or live here in the room. How many of you went out and started watching Christmas movies from, from after that? Once we started talking about it, I see a couple hands. You're, how many of you were actually already binging on Christmas movies? You can put up your hands too. Yes, there you go. I make no apologies for uh, talking about that and bringing that out. Um, Tis the season for us to be uh, doing all things Christmassy. And even if it isn't uh, 100% focused on a manger, anything that brings us closer to knowing and understanding what the season is all about, um, we should be, we can be participating in it. Now, that being said, Disney had come out with a new movie, a new Home Alone movie, if you, if you know that series of movies. Did you know how many Home Alone movies there are? Wrong. There's six. Yes, six of them. And you may be wondering, how can you make six movies with the exact same plot? I don't know, but they have done it. In every single one of them, it's the same plot. A child is featured, right? Being left out, not attended to, overlooked in some way. And it sets up this situation of them being left alone and having to deal with adversity on their own. So we watched it, of course. But maybe it's a situation we watch because it can be familiar to us, right? A scenario uh, where parents uh, and kids can, can relate to, right? Parents, have you ever had that constant, mom, 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 or dad, 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 dad. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they're like, watch, watch this, watch this. And then you're like, oh, that was great. And then you go back to what you're doing and they're like, watch this again. And you're like, oh, okay, great. And it's repeated over and over again. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes you can handle it. Sometimes you are completely absorbed in something else. And it's really trying and hard to pay attention to what they're wanting you to pay attention to. Sometimes it's it's, it's you can survive those moments. Other times you wish you had been paying a little bit more attention because it's at that last second when you look over and you see the Christmas tree falling over or you see them writing on the wall with a permanent marker or trying to ride the dog or something like that or it's the, the cutest, most adorable moment that you wish you had your phone out and ready to record to send to all the relatives because it was the most adorable thing ever. You wish you had been paying closer attention that hadn't been divided by something else. 
Now, in the Christmas story, there's a specific word that captures what's happening. When something catches our attention and our thoughts begin to form and process and swirl around it. In a word we see in that first Christmas story is this, behold. Behold is used roughly 1,500 times in the Bible. And it's a word that ranges in its use of meaning from a simple look to a more intentional stop. Take notice. What I'm about to say or do is absolutely important for you and has so much significance that you do not want to miss what I'm about to say or do. Like when we behold the face of God. And in this account of Jesus' incarnation, of him coming from heaven to earth, we hear it like this in Luke 2.10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now, in other words, if we are trying to take that into more modern language, we could see it more like this. I know this is kind of crazy and out of the ordinary. Of all the things that you could be thinking about right now, yes, an angel talking to you. Yes, a giant star in the sky beaming down to a small little suburb of Jerusalem. Yes, an angel in the sky, of all the things you could be worried about and thinking about in the moment, what I need you to pay attention to, what I need you to hear is this. The moment your entire nation has been waiting for is here. What in reality, what all of humanity, all of creation has been longing for has come. What we behold grabs a hold of our hearts. Now, we have some common sayings and proverbs that we use all the time to generalize the human condition, don't we? Something like garbage in, garbage out, right? Or what you eat is what you are. Now, some of those sayings, and I, I was looking up a bunch of them, trying to come up with a few to mention, and I started going through, and, and Wikipedia had a list of all of them, and they had, the, there were so many of them, they were done alphabetically, and each letter of the alphabet had like, you know, 20 or 30 sayings in English that we use, little idioms that we use to, to, uh, to like short phrase, uh, like, you know, little nuggets of wisdom. I was like, I'm not going through all those. Two is good enough. And some of these are, some of these are great sayings. Some of them are good. Some of them, uh, you know, are just really obvious. And it's why do we even say that other than to make it sound like we, we knew and they didn't. But in Proverbs, King Solomon, he spoke of the condition of the heart. That speaks to our, our topic today. And in Proverbs 23, 7, it says this, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. Now Solomon, he used this, if you read the fuller context of the verses before and after that, he's using it in the context of a man who shares a meal with someone, but doesn't want to actually share that meal. He's willing to give them food, but in his heart, he's resentful and bitter about having to share that meal. And so Solomon's wisdom was, as a man thinks, so is he, because in his heart, he doesn't really want to have communion with you. He doesn't really 
really want to share the table with you. He's actually resenting you for being at his table and eating his food. And that's the real condition of his heart. The condition of the heart in that real sense, not the fake veneer. Yeah, for sure, have some. And it's totally fake. He beheld his wealth. He beheld his possessions. And he did not want to part with them. That is where his attention was. Or like I said, what he was beholding had grabbed a hold of his heart. Now, sticking with our movie theme and our Christmas theme, when you think of all the Christmas movies that are out there, all the films that you could have watched, how many of them have that type of behold thread running through them? You may not see it like spoken outwardly and really right there, but the unseen thread is woven throughout the story. A workaholic who needs to behold their family. One searching for love who needs to behold the person who is coming into their life. The chaotic family, speaking of home alone, that is too busy to behold the Christmas spirit and their kids who are all around them. So the question today is this. Is there something that has taken a hold of your heart? Something that you're beholding that is taking your eyes away from where they could be? Because this is something we could say for all of humanity. To behold, we need to be captivated by a more powerful story. Something that draws our attention away from what could be our focus. Now, when we think of that in terms of like more extreme measures or, or to help us paint a picture, think of it this way. Someone who is dealing with addiction, they are giving up everything for one thing. All of their attention is fixed on that one thing they're addicted to. And that same person in recovery would have to give up that one thing in order to gain everything. What we behold grabs a hold of our hearts. Now, many of us, we might know the first Christmas story. Even if we're not regular church attenders, we've seen it so many times in, in everything from cartoon, uh, cartoon depictions to um, pageants that kids put on. We see it on the, the lawns of our neighbors as we drive by. Uh, we're Traditional characters are often replaced with, you know, pop, pop culture characters where you see, you know, baby Yoda in the manger or something silly like that. And we see all sorts of things. We see the story of, of uh, the Christmas story wrapped in our culture so much and sometimes watered down that even though it's, it's there and we understand it and it gives us those warm feelings, sometimes it might just become a little too trite for us? How do we behold such a story, seeing it as powerful when we see it displayed in so many different ways? And so today, maybe it's a good idea that we look at it from a different perspective. Did you know that the Christmas story is told elsewhere in the Bible, other than in predominantly Luke, how we see it and in the Gospels? We see the story of Christmas in the book of Revelation. 
In one story, we see an angel and a group of shepherds in a field, and we find that endearing, and we love watching our kids act it out because they're so cute, and their parents' bathrobes and towels on their heads and everything like that. But in Revelation, it invites us to behold Christmas at a much greater cosmic level, an event that speaks to the trajectory of changing our reality. We're invited to see it, if you don't mind the pun, from a galaxy far, far away. Let's read the start of it in, in Revelations 12, 1 to 6. A great sign appeared in heaven. And you'll hear throughout it, you'll, you'll hear the Christmas story. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on its head were seven crowns. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male who was going to rule all nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1,260 days. Meanwhile, on earth, there was something to behold. An angel appears to Mary. And she has a choice. An angel appears to Joseph, and he has a choice. Wise men appear before Herod, and he has a choice. Now, although troubled, Mary chooses to behold and trust God. And after some convincing, Joseph, again, chooses to behold God, to honor God by honoring Mary. And with fear, again, as his driver, Herod's choice brings suffering and grief and pain to all in Bethlehem. What we behold shows up in the choices that we make. Because the battle over God's heart and what we choose ourselves rages on even today. When we want to know what we are beholding, what's holding our hearts, we can look to our choices. Because as a person thinks or beholds, so they are. So as we continue on with the Christmas story, on earth, Jesus is born. He is a baby. But watch what's happening in the heavens at this time. Revelations 12, 7 to 9. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels also fought. But he could not prevail, and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. And so the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to earth and his angels with him. What a cosmic battle that's raging can you picture that in your mind's eye? That while a simple baby is born in a feed trough in the backwaters of, of Bethlehem in a small Roman province, 
in the heavenly realms, the archangel uh, Michael is there fighting with all these angels, fighting against the devil and his horde. What are they fighting over? They're fighting and wrestling over something. Authority. Satan is attempting to usurp God's authority. King Jesus' rule. King Herod is wrestling to keep his illegitimate reign while Jesus is assuming his role as our king, as our savior. There is a battle for what you should behold, a battle for your attention, which determines your choices. So the questions then become for us, what is ultimate in our lives? Is it our thoughts? Is it our feelings? Is it the temporary earthly focus of things? Is it our, our careers and our, 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 our vacation plans or our hobbies? Or is it God and his word? Who is ultimate in your life or in my life? Does a person hold that place? either in a good relationship or in a hurting and broken relationship, do they consume your focus or does God? See, the enemy using powerful people for his purposes is a theme that we'll see again and again throughout the Bible. Now, you may be wondering, why do I say that? The enemy using powerful people. You may not think of yourself as someone who is powerful. But each one of us has the ability to bless or to break, to build or to tear down. We have power in our actions and in our choices. And what we behold usually is what drives us to those actions. In Christ, though, God has secured our salvation. But this doesn't mean that our, our faith is, is without a fight. A fight between the spirit and our flesh and what we want to do. A fight between the destiny that God has for us and our desires. A fight between the current path our lives may be on and our destined purpose that God has laid out since the foundations of time. The final part of this galactic story reads like this in Romans 12, 10 to 12. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down. They, are, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. That's what's playing out in the heavens Meanwhile, what does that look like on earth? What do we see happening in those moments on earth? 
We see Luke 2, 13 and 14 happening. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Both those things, those wrestles, that fight are happening in that moment. And like I said, when we read the Luke account, we can see it as this cute scene that we play out in our mind. But there is such a bigger, captivating story that when we behold it and see the reality-changing circumstances that are going on, when we let that capture our hearts, it can behold us and it can grab a hold of our hearts in such a way that we respond differently. Because the heart of Christmas is the battle over worship. It's over worship. Just like those angels declaring who this little baby is and would be. And what was going to come about because of him being here on earth. Peace was on earth. If there were ever two words that could go together in this season. It would be that behold and worship. Because when you think about it, what you behold is probably what you worship. And I don't think we can behold God, or worship God, I mean, unless we are beholding him. Because what we behold grabs a hold of our hearts. So today, as I close, I have some some words just to share, some small little idioms for us to think through as we, we contemplate what we behold. Watch your thoughts, for they become your words. And watch your words, for they become your deeds. And watch your deeds for they become your habits. And watch your habits, for they become your character. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Today, in in our Christmas season, both individually and as a church family, may our hearts afresh turn to behold who Jesus is in what he brings to us. And may our hearts then in response be worship. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. And while, yes, there, we can have these cute moments of, of uh, children reciting the Christmas story and, and uh, having nativity scenes on our, our lawns or in our houses to remind us of, of your incarnation, of you becoming human and, and being here on earth and living a life just as us. God, while that was happening, we can read that there was such an amazing uh, reality-changing experience happening in the heavenly realm. And God, we just pray that through it all, it would all capture our hearts. That this season 
would be more than just gift giving and, and family time and, and uh, reminiscing. It would be a time for us to, to remember that you came to restore your kingdom here on earth. You came to make things right between you and your creation. And the cosmic battle that ensued, that sealed that for us, should cause us to worship you, to behold your greatness, to behold your love for us, that you would do that for us. So may we, in this season, turn our eyes to you and behold you for who you are. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.